You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, It's that time of year again. Every year around this time, I feel obligated, honor-bound, duty-bound, sanity-bound to issue kind of a public service announcement, a warning. Uh, one day soon, one year, it's going to be a threat. I'm going to threaten to come out there and find people, track them down based on the photos on their personal ads and kill them. Just saying that I am being driven because I make this announcement every year around this time and it doesn't seem to be having an impact and I'm being driven closer and closer and closer to the edge. I speak, of course, of the kind of Christmas-themed, dirty online personal ad f- photo genre. People bent over in front of their Christmas trees with their asses in the air so we can see their fairy lights and their fairy hole at the same time or their pussy and their stockings. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's nothing sexy about Christmas. Christmas is the opposite of sexy. If you want to take a picture of your asshole and put it online and I believe that you have that right as an American, as a, as a citizen of the world, you should have that right. Don't do it in front of the tree. Don't do it in front of your Christmas tree. Christmas trees scream children and family and grandma sitting on the sofa taking pictures, which then kind of implies – you know, on some sort of subconscious level, that that picture of you bent over in front of your Christmas tree with your ass in the air might have been taken by grandma. And that's not sexy. I, I don't know who these people are. And it goes the entire every, – every sexual spectrum. You see straight people do it. You see queer people do it. You see vanilla people doing it. You see people in Christmas-themed bondage trussed up on the floor in front of the tree. You see everything and it's – it's not sexy and it, it kind of makes you know dipping into personal ads just for a vicarious throw a little titillation around this time of year really traumatic, especially for those of us who keep Christmas. Speaking of those of us who keep Christmas, atheists. I'm an atheist, uh, sort of. Um, I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostitheist I call myself, sort of an agnostic – most of the time an atheist but occasionally an agnostic. Like when I'm getting on an airplane and I start furiously crossing myself. At that moment – I believe. And then when the plane lands, I instantly turn into an ingrate theist because I don't cross myself and I don't remember to thank Jesus for delivering me safely to LaGuardia Airport. I keep Christmas. Uh, I, I keep my asshole away from the decorations, which I don't think is setting the bar very high. I don't – one of the things that bothers me about these, hey, it's Christmas. Let's take a picture of my asshole by the tree is this doesn't really happen to other holidays. OK. Halloween is sort of like the sexy holiday for obvious reasons. You get to dress up in crazy outfits, pretend to be somebody you're not. It lends itself to it. But you don't see people appropriating other kind of ooey-gooey family holidays for sex. People don't dress up like turkeys and take pictures of themselves in front of the yams around Thanksgiving or sticking a yam in their ass at Thanksgiving with a little tiny melted marshmallow on the tip. They don't do that. They don't do that – or on July 4th. They don't do – just Christmas. And maybe this is some sort of lingering faith or you know, I was raised Catholic. My mother kept Christmas and she was very – our house looked like a Dickens story on acid when I was a kid growing up. 
everything was decorated. One year, uh, a piece of holly that my mother had hung over the toilet in the bathroom because you never know when you might want to kiss somebody mid-dump fell into the toilet bowl. And we thought – we walked in and saw the holly floating in the toilet bowl. And we thought, oh, I guess we're supposed to remove the holly from the toilet bowl, use it, flush, put the holly back because now mom, having run out of things to decorate at Christmas, was decorating the toilet bowl. But no, it was just an accident. Anyway, my, my point is we don't do this to Easter. We don't do – why do we do this? Why are you people doing this to poor, defenseless Christmas? Fox News, they rant and rave about the war on Christmas. They aren't really paying attention to the real one. It's not happy holidays. It's here's my asshole. That's the war on Christmas. Or maybe that's the whore on Christmas we should call it. I have a suggestion. If you want to take a holiday and dirty it up randomly for no apparent reason, a holiday that really doesn't – makes sense as a sex holiday, please take Arbor Day. Nobody gives a fuck about Arbor Day. And what do you do on Arbor Day? What are you encouraged to do on the last Friday in April? You're encouraged to stick a pole into a hole. That's it. You dig a hole, you plant a tree. That's Arbor Day. Let's sex Arbor Day up. Let's re- I'm going to make a note of this. The last Friday in April, we're going to sex Arbor Day up on our personal ads online. We're going to take pictures of our assholes in front of trees, but not decorated trees, just tree trees out in the woods. That'll be sexy out in the woods, out in the nature. You want to like hump the shit out of a holiday for no apparent reason and no good reason? Take Arbor Day, please, and, and, and put Christmas down and pull your pants up and back very slowly away from Christmas. Not that Christmas is sacred. I don't think it's sacred. I just think it's a holiday and and you dirty sexers are not the first people who've appropriated Christmas. The Christians stole it from the pagans. I guess you can steal it back for your assholes if that's what you want to do. But I don't think you should because it's just not – it's not working. You don't look good in that light, that sort of greenish, reddish light that is thrown around living rooms on Christmas. It's not flattering. It's not good. Put Christmas down. Pull your pants up, back your asshole away from Christmas and meet me on the last Friday in April, Arbor Day, and we'll have some fun then. Your calls after this. Speaking of Christmas and sex, lots of Christmas presents wear out or go out of fashion, but a hot piece of fetish gear or a powerful vibrator from ExtremeRestraints.com could change your sex life forever. With a vast selection of toys, BDSM gear, strap-ons, and so much more, Extreme Restraints has something for everyone. Shop for your partner at Extreme Restraints and take 10% off when you enter GGG Giving at checkout. You can double that discount for 20% off if you use it by Sunday. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Just go to AdamandEve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. I was just wondering, is it wrong to have sex with a married guy who's, you know, like, bi and closeted? The conclusion I came to was probably so, and so I didn't do it. But, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I wanted to, and I wondered if, I don't know, maybe it's unfair to him because he can't be open about who he is because women would reject him if he were bi blah, blah, blah. But I I was just curious what your opinion would be. If this guy's woman would reject him for being bi, then this guy shouldn't have picked this woman to be with. So we're going to kick that strut out from under his edifice of bullshit and lies and rationalizations. Um, Is it wrong to have sex with him though? This bisexual but closeted married to a woman who thinks he's heterosexual guy. 
Yeah, I think it is. We talked about this last week. Um, you know, when it's okay to have sex with somebody and I basically said if they're in a long-term relationship and the affair going public would destroy that relationship or crush the soul of the person that they're in that long-term committed and believed to be monogamous relationship, then you are kind of a piece of shit. You are aiding in that third party's destruction by fucking their partner. If the relationship is coming to an end, if it's on its way out, blah, 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 then – you're the button. You're, they're slamming their hand down on the self-destruct button or the relationship-destruct button and you can't, you're the means to the end or just incidental to the end of a relationship that's on its way out anyway. But that's not the case here, right? And you're not his only option. Spend five minutes on Craigslist. Not this time of year because you'll have to look at a lot of assholes and Christmas trees together. But spend five minutes on Craigslist and there are a lot of guys who are married to women who think that they're straight who are looking for a little dick on the side. He has the option of finding another piece of shit just like himself and I'm not saying bisexual people are pieces of shit. I'm saying cheating pieces of shits are cheating pieces of shits here. But he has the option of going and finding another piece of shit like himself in a very similar circumstance and fucking that piece of shit. Instead of dragging you, uh, presumably an out gay, relatively healthy guy with some scruples into his bullshit and into his lies. So yeah, I don't think you should sleep with him. And I'm glad you didn't. And he has options. So it's not like you're the only dick in the world that he had access to. There's lots of dick out there. Lots of dick attached to dicks like this dick. Hello, Dan. I'm a 29-year-old straight male. And I have a question for you. I'm not sure if you've answered it before or not. But I love eating pussy. And it's kind of weird because I only love eating pussy with girls that I know that I'm going like, you know, this is me and her. But, like, if it's just a random hookup, I feel weird because I don't know if she had another dick in her pussy the other night. And I don't know. Am I being an asshole for only, like, to eat pussy that I know has only been mine for that amount of time? Hopefully I'm not an asshole. You're not an asshole. And I was right there with you. I was kind of touched by your call. I think it's really good when someone can identify and be articulate about the, the sex acts that for them are you know, imbued with a kind of meaning and, and speak to a kind of intimacy that they cannot achieve with a rando. Uh, that you really enjoy eating pussy but you have to know the girl, you have to really like the girl, you have to be dating the girl, invested in the girl. That I can understand. But then you pivot to the reason why you don't want to eat the pussy of a rando is because it could have had another guy's dick in it and pretty recently. So you went from kind of touching my heart to this not annoying or awful or terribly off-putting gay panic but really gay panic. You're afraid of putting your face where some other dude might have put his dick 12 hours ago, 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago. What's the statute of dick imitations on that? At what point – is her pussy dick-free? I think cells regenerate every – I don't know how long that takes. But eventually she will have a brand new pussy that has never been touched by dick because all of her pussy cells will have regenerated. Does it take that long? Because that's a long time to wait, I think. Because pussy doesn't regenerate in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day. Pussy doesn't regenerate in a day. So uh, I think you should find a different way to talk about this. Um, and if it really is homosexual panic that you're afraid that – your face is going to catch the gay bank-shotted off her pussy because there was dick there once before or too recently before. That's something that you should that you should wrestle with. And if you're allowing these randos, these hookup girls to go down on you, 
when you won't go down on them, that's also a problem. I don't think you're an asshole though. I just think you should examine your motives. You should find a positive way to frame this. Not gay panic and where has your pussy been but this I really – you know, for me to do this and I love doing it, uh, I really have – this is a not a first date activity, not a hookup activity. This is a relationship activity. Talk about it that way and leave the mysterioso – Dick echo, ghost dick, whatever it is you're afraid of that's still lingering in her pussy, the flavor o dick out of it. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Go to AdamandEve.com and order almost any one item at 50% off. Choose a new adult toy, lube, or almost anything from over 18,000 adult products. Then at checkout, enter offer code SAVAGE. And you'll get to choose three free adult DVDs. That's right. You get to choose your own DVDs. Plus, receive a free mystery gift and free shipping on your entire order. Choose from all kinds of genres for both gay and straight folks. And now you can also shop on your mobile phone at Adam and Eve. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. I am a 41-year-old woman calling from North Carolina. I'm currently separated from my husband, and North Carolina, North Carolina law requires you to be separated for an entire year before you can get divorced. My question is, I do not want to have sex with my husband, but I do not want to go a whole year without having sex. I don't think I should have to go a whole year without having sex. But I also don't want to jeopardize the custody of my children either. Um, apparently, it would be it would still be considered adultery if I were to have sex with someone else. But I feel morally I am justified since I've been unhappy and unfulfilled in my marriage for a long time. And separation is for that, to separate from each other and hang out with other people and see if you want to get back together with your husband. So I'm very curious as to your take to the situation. I'm hoping that you give me the go-ahead. Maybe you should fuck a lawyer, particularly one who practices family law in North Carolina where uh, they have this thing called criminal conversation and alienation of affection. Uh, it's a law in the statute books there that allows if you were to fuck somebody else and ultimately decide to go ahead and divorce your husband in the end, your husband could sue that person for alienation of affection. And, you know, North Carolina went for Obama in 2008, went for Romney now, kind of teeters on this blue state, red state, you know, growing saner state versus, you know, the state that it historically has been, which is a bit batshit. And all of that could affect the judge you wind up in front of, which could impact child custody issues. If your husband finds out you're fucking other guys or fucking this other lawyer, which is my advice, fuck a lawyer, um, he may want to make that an issue in your child custody dispute. And if you get some conservative wacko uh, judge, some fundamentalist Christian Ten Commandments monument carving nut, it could negatively impact your child custody. So I can't tell you – with a clear conscience to go ahead and fuck these other people until you hire a lawyer who can give you some advice in North Carolina, in the jurisdiction hopefully in which you are filing for divorce uh, and they can lay out the risks you're running if you go through with this, uh, particularly because the stakes are high. If it was just you and the other dude, whatevs. But custody and if you fear that your husband would make it an issue, hmm. all that said, 
there's something fun and sexy about sneaking around. Nothing makes sex hotter than it feeling a little bit forbidden and there being obstacles. One of the ways we sex advisors tell people in long-term relationships to spice up their relationships is to create artificial obstacles. You have a great obstacle here. It could be really hot. You're going to fuck this other guy, this lawyer. That's my advice. Fuck a lawyer. And you have to keep it on the down low. How sort of exciting will that be? Um, probably pretty exciting. So you have options. But unlike my advice to people on Valentine's Day to fuck first, my advice to you is to fuck a lawyer first before you fuck anybody else. A Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa gift from ExtremeRestraints.com can unlock a new dimension to your sex life. Whether it's the strap-on that helps him discover his love of pegging, the wand massager that unleashes her orgasmic potential, or the flogger that ignites her inner dominant, Extreme Restraints has it all with a wide selection and low prices no matter what you're into and how advanced or beginner you want to go. When you pick up a fucking machine, chastity device, rabbit vibe, 16-inch dildo, or first orgasm tower for your lover, be sure to enter GGG Giving at checkout for an extra 10% off. Use that code by Sunday, and they'll double that discount for you to 20%. 20% off if you use GGG Giving at checkout by Sunday. Hey, Dan. I go to long nights where there's um, gay guys and straight guys aplenty, and all the gay guys always hand on me, and I end up being the straight guy. And basically, I don't know what the, the etiquette is to say, hey, listen, uh, back off. I always end up saying, I'm, uh, I play for the other team. But uh, I don't know if that's the right word to say. So you go to these clubs and it, they're mixed. There's gay guys. There's straight guys. Uh, it, it's fine to you know be in an environment like that. If it's a mixed gay straight, sort of everybody's uh, invited, everybody's celebrated environment, you are going to get hit on. And I don't think you're saying anything wrong when you say I play for the other team, but I think you're ba- – when you say back off – Yeah, I mean play- for me it's just I, I think I play for the other team just seems like such a lame line. So you just want a better line. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm straight is a pretty good line and it's the truth. Yeah. And that's not – that doesn't come off as too dickish to a gay guy? No, absolutely not. Gay guys don't want to – we don't want to waste our time barking up the wrong dude. And, you know, if we flirt with you, you know, if you're in an environment where you know you're likely to get a hit on, the the, the default assumption is you're not a homophobic bigot. You're just not gay. And so for you to just be upfront about that, when he sits on you, he – when he sits on you, when he hits on you, he's saying, (laughs) I'm gay, right, by implication. And for you to go, oh, dude, thanks, but I'm straight. You haven't said anything to him that he didn't just say to you. Yeah, true. But I play for the other team. There was a little note in your call of kind of getting your back up. Like, oh, dude, uh, I play for the other team. Um, uh, yeah, gotcha. And you shouldn't get your back up, particularly if you're not gay because we, uh, we tend to hump backs when they're up. So don't get your back up. <laughs> just be chill and say, oh, thank you. Hey, I'm straight. Great party. Uh. And don't accept any drinks. <laughs> Uh, where are you? What part of the country, roughly? Uh, right now, I'm actually, I travel for work all the time, but I'm in uh, North Carolina right now in Charlotte. North Carolina, and that's where you're going to the mixed clubs? Yeah, actually, I, I was surprised to find it, but yeah, there's a really good uh, mixed dance club night. Like I said to the uh, previous caller, North Carolina is changing, but it's not changing uh, everywhere, and you don't know if all the judges, previous caller, have changed, but the the state is changing. I've got to say, they've got a long way to go, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of change going on. 
Well, good. Enjoy the clubs. And you know, when a guy, a gay guy in a mixed club sees a straight guy that he thinks might be gay, that's a compliment. It means you're, it means you're objectively hot, especially if you're getting hit on all the time. You're objectively hot. Yeah, I take it as a compliment. I take it as a compliment. Take it as a compliment and deflect it with just the truth. Hey, thank you. I'm straight. Wah, wah, sad trombone. You can get the sad trombone music on your phone and play it for him if you want to be a dick about it, but don't be a dick about it. <laughs> I won't. Thanks, Dan. Sure thing. Bye. Hey, Dan. I'm uh, calling because I've been noticing a trend in, uh, in my frustrations with trying to find connection with other people, and I'm, I'm starting to really worry about it. Um, I'm worried for a couple of reasons. The first is that I'm worried that something's going on and just the psyches of of our culture that's making this go on. And the second is that it, there's something with me, uh, very personally, that maybe I'm drawing this. But uh, the last four or five times I've I've, I've met a woman that I'm, uh, I feel close to and, and want physically and emotionally too. Once we're there together... Um, after a few minutes, they push me away and say, we need to, uh, we need to stop and this can't go on. Uh, this meaning, I suppose the relationship, uh, I don't suppose I ask, um, listening to your show, I try really hard to, um, understand exactly where people are coming from. Uh, the point is that the last few people I've dated, they've told me that they're in, uh, terrible places and can't be, in relationships uh, because of this terrible place and that somehow they'd be compromising themselves by being with someone. And I wonder why is this happening so regularly? I understand being in that place. I've been there before, but do you think there's something that a person could do to attract this, uh, the sort of person who is uh, terrified of, uh, of loving someone and, or are, are, people becoming more frightened of it. I'd really like to know someone and be close to them, uh, no matter if they're in a bad place or a good place. And uh, I'd, I'd like to know what you think. There's nothing I can say that's going to make you feel better. So forgive me. Um, someone who's in a bad place who meets somebody that they really like, that's often interpreted by the person who's in a bad place as their fortunes changing, their luck improving, something that might get them to a better place. So... I doubt that all five of these women who've kind of trotted out the same little white lie, which is the likeliest thing that's going on here, were really in terrible places and could love you and would accept your love and would want to be with you if not for this terrible, mysterious, abstract place that they're in. Um, people say things when they're breaking up with people that they like. They just don't feel it. Uh, that aren't true, like it's not you, it's me, or I'm in a bad place right now, I'm, not a, I'm too busy with school, I'm under a lot of stress, whatever. People say these things that we know not to necessarily be true. That said, I'm always telling people that you, know, you shouldn't be on the dating market unless you're in good working order. Uh, nobody has to be perfect but you have to be serviceable. Um, it is a shitty thing to do to put yourself out there and date when you're too emotionally damaged or spiritually damaged or sexually damaged or whatever damage damaged to be available to someone and to meet their needs. If you're just a howling ball of issues and needs, if you're just that distraught, you need a shrink, not a romantic partner. So maybe you know a couple of these girls or even three of them or all five of them 
began to date and then realized they weren't in good working order and ran off to get themselves tuned up and they'll be back and maybe one of them will give you a ring. That seems unlikely. What happened was you got the same little white lie five times in a row. And what you do with that isn't, oh, I'm unlovable and no one will ever be with me. You pick yourself up. You examine the relationship. You do a forensic accounting to try to figure out whether it was you, whether you're doing something that's driving people off. Ask friends for a critique. If anybody saw you together with these women while you were dating them, ask them to give you a read on the way you treated them, the way you behaved. Were you too clingy? Were you an asshole? Uh, were you too needy? Were they all nuts? Are you picking the same nut girl over and over again? Uh, and then you make some changes if there are some changes to make. But if there aren't, you just say, eh, I pulled the short straw five times in a row. That fucking happens. Every relationship you are ever going to be in is going to fail until one doesn't. And you don't know which one that is until you're dead. So stay optimistic. Keep dating that five different women expressed at least an initial romantic interest in you and were willing to date you. That is a really good sign. If something is going wrong, hopefully your friends uh, can give you a little feedback where you can tinker. Um, and if it's not anything you're doing, eventually you'll meet the woman who welcomes your romantic attentions and uh, everything will work out and then you'll die. Hi, Dan. So when I was 14, I lied to my boyfriend at the time and told him that I had been raped and um, kind of violently raped not date rapes, but like rapes, rapes, and um, played up the whole drama about it and was really dramatic and super like intense about it. And I was doing it for attention and it was really shitty. And it is now like a decade and a half later. And I am really good friends with this guy. We are actually best friends. We talk all the time. We hang all the time. We're in the same social circle, really close. And he does not know that it was a lie which, you know, would be fine because people are shitty when they're 14, except that sometimes just in paying out over the years, like, rape will come up. And he sort of defers to me like I'm a survivor. And um, I feel really weird about it. I felt, like, really embarrassed that I did that um, when I was young. And I feel like if there were anything else, I could just tell him and... Be like, oh, yeah, I was shitty. I lied to you when I was 14, and ha, 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 we have a laugh about it. But, like, it's come up often enough over the years that I've basically been perpetuating this lie for a decade, and it's an intense lie, and it was something that really affected him when he was young. He went through, like, I made sure he went through a lot. So it wasn't, like, just a white lie. Like, it was organized drama, and um, I definitely stopped being dramatic about it. I've told him I'm over it and I'm fine and like I don't really want to talk about it anymore and we don't and haven't in forever except that like he believes it's part of my story so when we're socializing it's just like this lie and I'm really ashamed and I don't want to make drama now I don't want to like hurt him now I don't know what to do I don't I, and I also don't want to hurt me so I would really love to know what you think if I should the first thing I have to say is false rape reports are really rare. The biggest study looking into this issue, how many rape reports are false, uh, found 3 percent. So this is very, very rare um, and that was 3 percent of reported rapes and there are many, many, many people who are raped who do not report their rapes because uh, they don't feel – 
safe. They don't feel like they're going to be taken seriously. Um, so that percentage of rape that are potentially false is probably even much lower than 3% when you add in all the unreported rapes and assaults. That said, you, you got to come clean. Uh, you got to go tell this guy the truth um, just to, to clear your own conscience and you have a, not an out. You have a, a decent excuse. You were a melodramatic, douchey – Shit for brains, 14-year-old, when you told a big lie to get attention and it eats away at your conscience and you're coming clean because obviously you guys are going to be friends all your life unless this really fucks up your friendship and you just can't walk around with him believing this thing that isn't true and was never true anymore. Also – and you don't talk about this. You don't – you say there's a lot of drama and you involved him in this drama and it was traumatic for him too. Who was the person that you – blamed or pointed the finger at and was that a, a, a real human being? Was that someone in your social circle? Was that somebody that you have a moral obligation to clear? If that is the case, then absolutely you need to come clean and th about this immediately uh, and not just to your good friend but to anybody else that you involved in this lie. But unburden yourself, pull him aside, apologize, say how embarrassed you are but you cannot continue to have this lie um, playing such a large role in what will hopefully continue to be an important lifelong friendship and that you're embarrassed and you are sorry and you were 14 and it's just sort of continued um, into you know your mid or late 20s now. And you don't want to see this lie continue on uh, and continue to live into your 30s. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a 27-year-old gay male. I was calling because um, the holidays are coming up. And um, I was recently living in one state and I moved to another. And I left behind an ex. And it was pretty much uh, the breakup was amicable. <laughs> um, and I've been feeling the shit out of my feelings like you probably want to do. And I finally feel like I could probably see him and... Um, you know, be fine. And like, I could see him together with somebody else and be fine and we'd be fine and all that other stuff. The kicker is I haven't seen him yet and Christmas is coming and I was going to go back home and see my friends and, you know, he offered to let me stay with him and invited me to his Christmas party. And I'm feeling a little bit awkward about that. I don't know what to do. Um, I want to see him because I think it'd be good. But like I said, I feel like I could see him, but I haven't seen him yet <laughs> since um, we split up. So, um, any advice on that would be great. I feel like I pretty much know what you're going to say, but um, thanks, Dan. You left out really the most important detail, the thing that would really inform my advice, which you already know what I'm going to say. So maybe you knew I was going to say this, and if you knew I was going to say this, why didn't you give this detail, which is who broke up with whom? Um, if you dumped him, however amicable, however friendly you guys have managed to keep things after the breakup – if you broke up with him, this invite to basically go on a date, go with him to his office Christmas party and to stay at his house could be his way of testing the waters to see if you know he can worm his way back into your affections. Um, and you going could be cruel because you don't want to give him false hope and accepting the invitation and agreeing to stay with him if you're the one who walked out and broke his heart and he didn't want you to go and didn't want the relationship to end could – 
fill him with false hopes and it would be cruel and therefore you shouldn't. But you know, if he dumped you, then maybe the cruelty flows in the other direction. Doesn't sound like it. You don't sound like you're in a lot of emotional pain at the thought of spending this time with him. But if it went the other way, do you want to subject yourself to that potential sandpapering of those breakup nerves that may still be a little raw? But if it was truly amicable, if you guys just one day looked at each other and said, not going to happen and shook hands and walked in opposite directions, which never happens. But if that's what happened, then I don't see any potential harm here. I don't even see any potential harm in you two getting it on for old time's sake if that's the way it came apart. But if it was either of the other two much likelier scenarios, I think you should stay elsewhere. Hey, Dan. Um, my name is Caitlin. I'm a 26-year-old poly lady in Brooklyn, round up to buy. Um, I'm going to do my relationship Tetris first and then get into my sort of doom and gloom question. I have been with my primary partner for five months, but we've been romantically and sexually involved for about six years now. Um, and I've been with my secondary for a year and a half. He was my primary before um, things went official with my, see, this is the Tetris, my current primary. And I was dating his wife as well for about seven months and consider her my significant other, um, even though we're sort of in a more friendship relationship right now. Um, so for the doom and gloom, my dad was diagnosed this week with a very rapidly progressing neurological condition that is untreatable. Um, he has about three to eight weeks left and we're home and we're together and we're there as a family and I've had you know, I've been very fortunate to have both of my partners be very supportive in their different ways, while both at the same time recognizing that they're people and they have their own schedules and their own emotions that they're going through with this right now. Um, so my question is really about poly funeral etiquette, and I don't really know where, who else I can ask. Um, you know, obviously, both of my partners are going to want to be there, and I would like for them to both be there, but my mom and my brother are not super aware of the situation. They know my primary and they know about my secondary and his wife. I went on vacation with them. They're very obviously like a huge presence in my life. Um, and so it wouldn't be entirely peculiar for them to be there, but I just want to, I don't really want to add any stress to my family right now as this is, you know, a horrific pile of shit that we're going through. So I don't, you know, I don't know if I should tell my mom before the funeral, um, you know, what the nature of my relationship is, or if I should just be a little bit more careful how I behave when they're there. Um, so I'm all ears. Um, this is really crappy. This is a really, really terrible thing that's happening to my family. And I just don't want to do anything to make it worse when we're already sort of in a hellhole. Uh, but I do know that, you know, within the next two months, this is going to be a reality. And I kind of want to know what to, you think I should do about it. You left a phone number and invited me to call you uh, and then said, if I didn't reach you, it's because you're with your dad. So clearly you're with your dad, which is where you need to be. Um, so I'm just going to wing this without being able to chat with you, which I kind of wanted to do. You know, it's rare having been in this biz for so long to get a question that I've never gotten before. But polyfuneral etiquette is a question that I have never gotten before. And a lot of my advice would depend on who you know your mom to be and and your sibling or siblings and how you think they're going to react uh, 
to you coming out as poly at this moment if your family is socially and sexually very conservative and this is going to come as a big shock? Now might not be the time to come out to mom and everybody else as poly and your dad's funeral might not be the place. I was ready to come out to my mom when I was 16 years old and my dad walked out and initiated a divorce and my mother was so traumatized. I waited two more years to come out and I really needed to come out to her when I was 16. So I'm not telling you to do anything that I myself didn't do when I was a teenager, which was to look at your parent and come out to them in the most loving way possible. And one of the loving ways you come out to people is at a time when you know they're in a good place and they can listen and hear and process uh, and not feel blindsided or badly treated. So who's your mom? And is now the time or is now a bad time? Yes, invite both your partners to invite like it's a party. Yes, both your partners should be there with you offering support. Um, I don't think you know at a funeral or while your dad's dying that anyone will look askance or, or infer anything about your relationship if you are leaning on these people and they're there to love you and support you. Um, you know, there's nothing about that the way people interact, even with lovers, even with you know if they have multiple partners at a funeral that says, "Oh, they must be doing it." And if that's how you're acting at the funeral, then you have other problems or you have additional problems. Uh, to the the ones the horrifying ones you're going through right now, so have them be there for you. You know, if now's the time, if you think that your mom or your relatives will look at the way you interact with these people and immediately get that you're poly, maybe you do want to run some interference and come out in advance. But I don't think you need to. I think you should kick the can down the road and you should ask your partners when they come, not to be closeted, not to be circumspect, but to be considerate and to take into consideration your mother's pain, your pain, your sibling's pain and to hang back and defer a little bit because if in your best judgment, now is not the time and your dad's funeral isn't the moment and you're going to wait another six months to come out about your poly life to your mom, then you don't want to be outed in, in that circumstance because you don't want to be inconsiderate and accidentally cruel to your parents. It's not to say that you don't have a right to be poly and that you shouldn't come out at some point. I had a right to be gay. I had a right to come out at some point. That moment when my dad walked out, that wasn't the right point for my mother. And this may not be the right time for your mother. Wait six months. And I'm really sorry that you're going through this. Um, mortality is just – it just sucks just for the fucking birds. Um, and my heart goes out to you at this time uh, in your life. And I know what it's like to be there and I ache for you. Hi, Dan. I'm 19 years old, and I'm just uh, having an issue here because my boyfriend and I met six weeks ago, and after one week, you know, he said he wanted to wait to initiate sex, and I was okay with that, but after one week, he initiated, and so, which I was totally okay with, and we started having sex, but in the six weeks we've known each other, we've had sex only seven times and the way, you know, and he's been intoxicated or a little intoxicated most of those times and he's just really picky, like he doesn't want me to be on top. You know, one time we were getting, we were making out and, I said, and we were going to have sex and I said, okay, you can put the condom on and that somehow upset him and so he stopped. And... 
uh, he he's really Christian, so but it, that doesn't mean that doesn't affect like our sex life. But he he's he's frustrated that I don't believe in God, and I don't know when we have sex, he's really passive, and you know I'm a very attractive young woman, and I I just it's very frustrating to me that when he doesn't want to have sex with me, it makes me feel you know like not too good about myself. I'll be brief. Uh, I don't know what's going on in your boyfriend's head. Uh, maybe he's a closet case. Maybe he's uh, a fucking hypocrite Christian who is having a lot of premarital sex that he has to get inebriated before he will initiate it. Uh, he clearly has a lot of hang-ups and it sounds like terrible, unsatisfying sex. So stop fucking him. Stop dating him. Um, he doesn't sound like a good boyfriend. He judges you. Based on your beliefs, he condescends to fuck you, you little atheist, even though you don't believe in the same uh, God that he does. And he has to get shit-faced drunk to do it and then when he does it, he's bad at it and he has really limited repertoire and he clearly doesn't appreciate you for who you are and what you are and what you bring to the table or the mattress. So get the fuck rid of him. Go get a different boyfriend. This one didn't work out. Hi, Dan. I'd like to leave a comment about Savage Love episode number 319 regarding the woman who um, is a GGG uh, girlfriend and goes to bondage clubs with her boyfriend but has an aversion to the sounds of spanking and whipping and such. You wisely cautioned her against just following along and, and believing that um, she could enjoy spanking with this gentleman that offered to spank her and make her feel better about it. But you also you forgot another layer of it, which is that Fear and pleasure are physiologically closer than they are to each other than they are to indifference. If she felt indifferent about what she saw, that would be one thing. But she felt um, an aversion, which is close to pleasure. So if she allowed herself to be open to the idea of being spanking, she might find that she really enjoys it. She should be just as GGG with herself as she is with her boyfriend. Dan, I'm calling about this week's show and the woman who doesn't like hearing uh, loud spanking uh, when she's doing rope play. Everything that you said can be right, but I would add two other things that she should do. One is if she's thinking she might want to try to acclimate, she should talk to some of the women who have been getting spanked afterwards and ask them why they like it. That is a way to acclimate, not the little move the guy made. But to understand, because if it's she's feeling it as violence, to know that that's what turns them on and why that turns them on, to make her accept that as play, not hurt. Hi, Dan. I just wanted to call and respond to the girl who responded to the boar guy by explaining how she wrapped her boyfriend up in a blanket and I was just like oh my god that is so she is awesome and it just goes to show that there's people out there in the world for you whatever it is there's there's some good person who is going to be able to fulfill your fantasy and all you gotta do is find them but I was just I was like oh my god it is it is possible. What an amazing, creative, awesome chick and to fill that guy's fantasy like that. I mean, when when it would be otherwise unthinkable and just easily dismissible as something that can't ever be. Uh, that's just rad. 
Congratulations, girl. You rock. And we're going to leave it there. Remember, no more dirty Christmas picks. Sexy, sexy Arbor Day picks. Get on it, people. Get those picks taken so we're all ready to go on Arbor Day this April. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you want to record a question or call for a future show, give us a buzz. Once again, 206 201 2720. If you want to make sure your comment is out there in the world, there is a comment thread attached to each and every show at thestranger.com slash lovecast. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at risk youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for now. Everybody.